You are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Can you help me? Everybody give it up for Tyler Becker, everybody. As we like to say around here, nobody better. So I appreciate it uh, very much. Hey, I wanted, my plan was not to start with the big boom. So sorry about that. Uh, my plan was to start with uh, this question. I want you to, when you think about who I am, I want you to think about like maybe something that I'm not so good at. So there's three options. Uh, on the screen. Uh, one option would be um, making homemade pretzels, okay? I might be good at that. I might not be. Uh, the one in the middle is uh, making a hair bun. You can tell by my hairstyle that it's not really like the zip code that I live in, but I might be good at it. You never know. Uh, and then table tennis or ping pong. So if you're in the house of God tonight, and you're thinking that I'm maybe not too good at baking homemade pretzels. Can I just see like a show of hands if you think it's that? We're all friends. It's fine, okay? We're all good at things, and we're all not good at things. Um, okay, how about table tennis? Who thinks I'm not very good at table tennis? All right. I just want to prove you wrong. Um, it is the middle. I am not very good at making... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can applaud for yourself if you want to applaud for yourself. I'm not very good at, at doing that. You may be surprised to know that as a middle schooler, I actually won some blue ribbons in the Sioux Empire Fair for making homemade pretzels. So I'm not trying to brag or anything, but that is something that I'd love for you uh, to know about me. It's interesting, when we, we come to prayer, I think for uh, a lot of people, it's something that we don't really feel very good at. Um, it's something, I'm going to change mics, Jaden, because um, for some reason it is not liking me. You have it up there or is it up here still? Okay, beautiful. I'm just going to switch. Because we do not need that the whole time. That's a little bit better. So for a lot of people, when they, they come to prayer, it's something that they would put on the list of something that they don't feel 
very good at. It's, I think it's also something that we can feel a significant amount of shame about. Like, oh, like, I don't think that I talk to God enough. And he probably has feelings about that. Um, prayer is, it's not just like a hoop that we jump through to get God's attention. Uh, in the ancient world, they believed that prayer was how we get God to notice us. And so all through the scriptures, there's even examples of people thinking, like there's this amazing story on top of this mountain. And there's a group of people that they're trying to get God's attention. Like, oh, maybe we, if we yelled loud enough, we would have his attention. If we jumped through this hoop, we would have God's attention. And I just think it's good to remember that your existence today, like your heartbeat today, the air in your lungs today, like your presence today is proof that God has his eye on you. It's proof that you have his attention. Your existence is proof of that. And when we come to the Lord's Prayer, like what we, one of the things we learn about prayer is it's not so much like what we are going to receive in prayer. It's more about who we are going to become in prayer. Like, there's an opportunity for us to be transformed, for us to be shaped. And the Lord's Prayer wants to change and reorder how we come at things. Like, the Lord's Prayer wants to shape and reorder how we look at our time and what we do with our time. The Lord's Prayer wants to shape and reorder what we do with our money. The Lord's Prayer wants to shape and reorder like the words that come out of our mouth and how we treat other people, the choices that we make. The Lord's Prayer wants to impact how we show up in the world. Like the things that we pursue and the things that we walk away from, and to talk about that, we need to talk about this person. This is my 10-pound wiener dog, Diego. And Diego's experience of me is that I say two things to him. I say, come on, and I say, leave it. Because there's all kinds of things that Diego wants to have in his life that I do not want him to have in his life like little chocolate bars on our walk, little wrappers. He finds all the things that I just don't want to be a part of his story. And if I'm honest tonight, I would say that I see a lot of myself in Diego. Not the cute little hat, not the tilted head. When you talk to him, he tilts his head like this. But my experience of the Lord is that one of the things that he's going to say to me is like, Dave, I just want you to, to leave, leave that. Like those words that were spoken over you in a season of life are not definitive of who you are. So like, would you just leave that? Would you, would you not just carry that into your story? And so one of the, Lord, one of the things the Lord's prayer is going to do, it's going to help us 
reorder some of these things in our lives. And so tonight, uh, we need to talk a little bit about that. We need to talk a little bit about the, the people that God would desire that we become. So tonight we're coming around this line, thy kingdom come. And, and when Jesus is praying, thy kingdom come, like, like what are we actually talking about? Like what's on the menu with thy kingdom come? When we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about God in action. We're talking about God moving. Uh, we're not talking about a geographical space or a physical space, but a spiritual one. So in John chapter 18, Jesus is standing before Pilate. And Pilate's got a question. Like, hey, how did you get here? Like, why are we hanging out today? Why are you in my space? And so Pilate wants to say to Jesus, like, is it true that you're the king of the Jews? And Jesus just has this squirrely way of answering questions with a question. And the way that Jesus responds in this moment, as he says, my kingdom is not of this world. And so the kingdom of God is not this geographical space, it's not a physical space, but a spiritual space. The kingdom of God, the way that we want to talk about it tonight, is this way, the restorative reign of God in the world. The, the kingdom of God, when you, when you hear that in and around church, the restorative reign of God in the world. It's wherever God is in charge. It's wherever Jesus is king, and the kingdom is all about things being restored, all about broken things being put back together things that were lost being found, about things being made right. So Jesus is praying, thy kingdom come. So would the restorative reign of God be visible and be experienced? But there's this question that we have with this. Like, how about, what did people around Jesus experience when he brought the kingdom? Like, when he steps down into human history and he experiences everything that it is to be human. Like, what was the experience of people around Jesus? A couple things that we can talk about. Number one, we could talk about physical restoration. So when Jesus shows up, there's people who have been suffering with some kind of physical ailment for a long time. Like there were people who were blind. They could not see. There's this wild story. We, we get so used to it reading it in church where Jesus actually spits in his hands. I mean, this is shocking. And he gets some dirt, and he, like, makes this muddy paste, and he touches the man's eyes. And I just, like, imagine that. And it's like, he's not able to see. He's got this, like, weird thing on his... And then he starts to see. 
There's this physical restoration of this man's sight. There's some places in the scriptures where Jesus cancels death. Like there's this, this wild story of this, this little girl who's fallen asleep, which is the scripture's way of winking at us and being like, she's dead. And people have prayed, people have grieved, and then Jesus shows up and she's healed. Right? Like, this happens again and again and again. Comes to her bedside. Talitha Kum, little girl, get up. So when Jesus shows up, there's, there's physical restoration that happens. When the kingdom of God is near, when the kingdom of God is at hand, people experience that physically. But we also can talk about relational restoration. When the kingdom of God is at hand, we see relational restoration. So there's like a group of people to the Jews who are outsiders. Like they're not invited to the party. Like they're not a part of the relational world of the Jewish people. And when the kingdom of God comes, like that's a broken thing that Jesus wants to heal, that Jesus wants to restore, that Jesus wants to make right. And so later in the scriptures, we have in one of the letters of one of the disciples of Jesus, where it says there's no longer slave nor free, no longer male nor female, but we are one in Christ. So we need to get that whole outsider word out of our vocabulary if we are going to follow Jesus. There's relational restoration that has taken place. The fighting between all the ethnic groups in the first century, in the early church, there was a lot of drama around that. We learned about that through our Acts series, that there was a lot that was going on with who's getting this food, who's getting that food, who gets to sit at the table, and Jesus is like, everybody gets to sit at the table. Everybody gets fed. There's this relational restoration that takes place. And then the last part of this, the spiritual restoration. Like the way that I like to think of Jesus, I like to think of Jesus in the first century. He's kind of like the temple on wheels. And what happens is you used to go to the temple to get forgiven. You used to go to the temple for things to be made right. And one of the ways that Jesus makes the religious leaders angry, like the people who are keeping score on if you've done enough or you've done it right or you've jumped through the right hoop, is Jesus will say things to people like, your sins are forgiven. It's not about you going to a temple and going through the whole ritual. Would you receive my forgiveness? And the religious leaders have a ton to say about that. But that is what we see when we see the kingdom of God come. We see physical restoration. And we see relational restoration. We see spiritual restoration. And what did they experience? They experienced what it's like when Jesus is king. 
They experience what it's like when he is in charge. And it's not lost on me that when Jesus prays, thy kingdom come, he is praying that prayer in the presence of other kingdoms. So it's not as if in this space and in this time, the kingdom of God's the only kingdom. Like the restaurant that like serves one thing. You can't get anything else. No, he's praying this in the context of the kingdom of Rome. And this is, this is a governmental power. And you could see the evidence of this all around. You just had to open your eyes. And you could see that Rome had a kingdom, and Rome was trying to expand its kingdom whenever it could. Jesus is praying this in the context of the kingdom of religion. Where here's the list of rules that you need to follow, and here's what it means to be righteous. Here's what it means to be faithful. And Jesus, in that context, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He's praying that in the, the context of this kingdom of religion. And to be honest, a lot of us are comfortable with the kingdom of religion because we grew up with that. And some of us were awesome at school because we're awesome at rules. Things get more complicated for us when we don't have the rules. So Jesus is praying not the kingdom of Rome come, not the kingdom of religion come, not this like kingdom of darkness. There's darkness all around him. There's opposition all around him, hardship all around him, grief all around him. And he's praying, thy kingdom come here in the middle of all of these other kingdoms. In the middle of the kingdom of comfort that some of us live in. We like things best when we're comfortable. And no, I'm not trying to start a thermostat fight in the house of God tonight. But maybe that's a bit of a picture of the way in which things are best when they're comfortable, when they're easy, when they're clean, when they make sense. How about the kingdom of accumulation? So the more things that we can grab onto, the more things that we can hold, the, the more things that we can say belong to us than they're ours. Or the kingdom of the perception of everybody else has a pretty tight hold, a pretty tight grip on us. So it's maybe not the kingdom of Rome, but maybe it's the kingdom of what everybody else thinks about you and the people that you are connected to. Jesus is praying in the presence of all of the kingdoms of earth, thy kingdom come. Physical restoration, relational restoration, spiritual restoration. There's this a guy named Dallas Willard, and I like him a lot. And he wrote, he wrote this. So when Jesus directs us to pray the kingdom come, he does not mean that we should pray for it to come into existence. 
Rather, we pray for it to take over at all of the points where it was now excluded on earth as it is in heaven. So when we're following Jesus in this prayer, thy kingdom come, we're not praying that the kingdom would come into existence. The kingdom's doing fine. What we are praying is that it would seep into all of the nooks and crannies in the places where it is being pushed away, where it is excluded. I don't know the last time somebody in the house of God had waffles, but when I read that quote, I was thinking about if you've ever had waffles with a kid, the idea with waffles is to get syrup in every box. So too with the kingdom. Oh, that it would spill over into every box of our lives. That it would take over the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we think about others, the way that we think about God. Oh, the way that we show up in the world, the way that we respond to that difficult person. that the kingdom would find its way into every nook and cranny. And one of the questions that we have tonight when we talk about thy kingdom come, it's just, like, where am I pushing away the kingdom? Where am I resisting the kingdom? And where are the places in my life where I'm embracing it, where I'm celebrating it? And where are the places where I'm rejecting it? But there's another question, and I think this question doesn't really get answered very much when we teach on the Lord's Prayer. And so people get confused. Like, if the kingdom of God has come, why are we praying for it? Jesus has prayed, thy kingdom come. And we're saying that the kingdom has shown up. Like, like why are we praying for something that has already been given? It's a good question. I don't know the last time you went to a movie theater. I don't know when that was. But the way that I think about this is the way I think about movie previews. Like, you're going to watch a movie, and you're stressed out because you think you're going to be late. Right? It starts at 7 o'clock. And you're there at like 6.51. You're like, come on, hurry up, hurry up. Popcorn, we do the whole thing. And we get in the movie, and what happens? Dude, they just started previews like 30 seconds ago. That movie doesn't start till 7.19. Because why? Because you have all these previews. So when Jesus comes in power on planet Earth, what is he, what is he doing? He's giving humanity a preview of what it's like when God is in charge. What it's like when Jesus is king. People who can't see can now see. People who were excluded are now excluded. People who were working so hard to be forgiven, trying to do all of the right things, they find out that they have a seat at the table and a full plate of forgiveness and grace and mercy. So when Jesus comes, it's a preview of the world that is to come. Theologians will talk about this as the already and the not yet. 
like we have it, but it's coming. Like it's here, but it's also on the way. And praying thy kingdom come is how the Bible ends. I don't know, like you get to the very back of the Bible, the very end. The page, I'm talking about the pages where you have to lick your finger to get to it. Because they all stick together. And you could find your way all of the way in Revelation chapter 22. In the 20th verse. You would find these three words. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the prayer for God's kingdom to come. Not into existence, but to find its way into every nook and cranny of our hearts and of our world. So that the axis upon which the earth spins is the kingdom of God. It's broken things being restored. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, we are praying for that day in the future. Like we're praying for that moment where it's no longer the preview of the thing that is to come, like summer 2025. How far away is that? I want to like to step into that movie now, of course. But when we pray, thy kingdom come, we are praying for that day in the future. And we are also asking the God of heaven for the kingdom of God to come in me right now. Right here. Because we have a role in this. So it's a, it's a giant mistake to just pray for the kingdom of come, to, for the kingdom to come and to not participate in the kingdom that is coming. I want you to watch this video really quick, and then I'm going to pray for us. You had this experience going to a concert, maybe it's at an elementary school. And I don't know if you know the note that the oboe is playing. The oboe is playing this note, middle A. And you're asking, how many hertz is middle A? 440. And so the oboe plays that note. And then all the other instruments, they tune to middle A. And so just think about this experience. You're telling somebody like, oh, we got, we got tickets to the symphony. It was amazing. We got all dolled up. I 
been waiting to wear that sport coat and put it on and went, and it was, it was really great. We got in our seats, and it was amazing. The oboe came on stage, played middle A, and then all of the other instruments tuned themselves to middle A. It was incredible. Then this really incredible thing happened. One by one, they started putting their instruments away. The, starting with the bass, and then the viola, and then the violin, and then the oboe. And they went off the stage one by one, and the curtain fell, and everybody clapped. It was, it was the most amazing concert I've ever been to in my life. I said, nobody. Because what is the point of tuning to middle A if you're not going to play anything? There is no point in tuning to middle A if you don't have a song to play on your instrument. And when we come to the Lord's Prayer, there's a sobering reality, I think, for us in this. Is that if we tune our lives to Jesus in and through the Lord's Prayer, but we don't actually have a song to play in our, with our life. We don't actually join him in the, the work that he's doing. If we kind of come to the Lord's Prayer and we're like, yeah, I think I like learned that along the way as a little kid. But we don't play anything with it. Then I think the experience of you going to the concert and all those instruments just being put away and the curtain goes and it's all over is the experience of the world when they encounter followers of Jesus. So this prayer is not just some advice for us. It's an opportunity to tune our lives to the way of Jesus so that we can be a part of the kingdom that God is bringing in our space and in our time. So yes, tune your lives to middle A. but also play something with your life. Be a part of the movement of the Spirit on planet Earth. Because nobody wants to go to a concert and listen to a bunch of people recite some things and tune to middle A and just walk off the stage. So I think the Lord's Prayer is also a warning for us today to not show up in this world like that. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for the gift of being together and for the gift of looking at this incredible prayer, this prayer that challenges us, this prayer that disrupts us, this prayer that provokes something in us. God, I pray that we would Allow the words that you have spoken into and over us tonight to sit with us. That we would reflect on them. To think about the ways in which we're rejecting or pushing against your kingdom. And the opportunity we have to more fully embrace the restoration you want to do in us and in our space and time. And Jesus, with one voice tonight, we pray your kingdom come. That day in the future when you come to make everything right, 
when you come to put death to death, when you come to, to breathe resurrection air over every square inch of what you have created. God, we are waiting for that day. But also, would your kingdom come right here, right now in us? And that we would join you in the kingdom work that you are doing on planet Earth as an expression of our worship and of our love and of our gratitude for being your people. Thy kingdom come among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing another song together tonight. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.